Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Oh, hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall. Nice to see you here today. Always nice to see you as well. Such a pleasure. (laughs) We're going to talk about catastrophizing today. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you think of when you hear the term catastrophizing? Depression and anxiety. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that's it's a common thing in both of those. Yeah, it's a really common uh, thought pattern that you find in both of those um, disorders. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard I've also heard people talk about this as awfulizing and mm. just going to the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most straightforward way to describe what this is. So, and something we like everybody can relate to this. We've all done this before. Uh, it's where you're something difficult, scary, whatever happens. And our mind almost seemingly of its own volition just goes to the worst possible version of this, right? So mm-hmm. you, you could be, you could have a little, notice a little pain in your chest and your mind goes to, I'm having a heart attack and I'm going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you get a little bit worried about your spouse on their trip, you know, their business trip. And you're like, oh my God, their airplane's going to crash and they're going to die and we're all going to be destitute, right? Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> or if I show up at the party, I'm going to say something stupid and everybody's going to hate me and nobody will talk to me again. And Yes, it'll be, that yeah. comment in that meeting was so insensitive, I'm probably going to get fired by my mm-hmm. mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the characteristics of this is most people are aware of the fact that it's a little extreme, like the, there's something a little bit irrational about it. Um, but it's, it feels a little compulsive. It's like my mind just takes me there. Um, and that's what I do. And I get kind of lost in that. Mm-hmm. But there, in, in my experience, there usually is some level of awareness of like, I don't need to be doing Like it doesn't, the evidence that, you know, yes, I, I, I said something that could have been construed as, as insensitive during the meeting. That may be something that I need to take care of or address somehow. But like, am I going to end up getting fired and like living under a bridge? Like I, Probably not. That's, it seems out of proportion to what actually happened. Yeah, and, and you're saying most people can kind of uh, kind of identify that this is a little much, a little yeah. extreme. Yeah. Well, and in some ways, though, it, that's part of the frustrating part about it is people kind of realize, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I feel awful when I go, like, catastrophize this and go to the worst case scenario. But like, why do I keep doing this, even though it makes me feel awful? You know. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, in some ways, it's like a double problem because it it makes you more anxious, more depressed, more whatever. But it's also really, fr- you get frustrated with yourself for doing this. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, that's something I see a lot. I don't know if you see that too in your work. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it, it's really frustrating for people. And, and oftentimes they'll even, they'll even notice that it's um, a, um, a pattern of theirs because they, the wording is so similar. Right. Oh. The, um, it, the catastrophizing always ends with like them being homeless. Yeah. Right. And so everything's taken to this extreme and they kind of will note that I'm, I kind of always end up here where I'm homeless, mm. you know, and on the streets, you know, and I know that that's um, excessive and, and ridiculous, but that's where my mind takes this every time. Right. Yeah. And, and that sort of leads to the question of like, well, if, if I know this is kind of unrealistic or ridiculous and it's really, it's not doing me any favors, it makes me feel awful. Like, uh, where does this come from? Like, why do we end up doing this? Um mm. So I, I don't know, like when you talk with your clients about this, like where do you typically see the origins of this tendency to kind of catastrophize? Well, I think it's a really natural um, 
beginning to it most of the time, right? I mean, when an event happens, it's kind of normal for your mind to kind of trace through all possible outcomes of what's going to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as humans, we're just kind of predictive creatures. We've, we've kind of survived this long because we can kind of use that predictive ability to, to uh, situate ourselves in a, in, a, in a good situation. But this seems to be more of a pernicious habit around what you, how you practice thinking. This seems to be a real yeah. habit. So that's a great, that's a really great point is that catastrophizing itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think <laughs> one of the silly analogies I use is that catastrophizing is like a chainsaw. Chainsaws are really useful sometimes. Like in certain, <laughs> if you, if you're chopping down a tree, very like true. a chainsaw is very helpful. Very true. Most of the time though, as a, I don't know, normal modern day person, when you need to cut things, the chainsaw is probably not what's required. Usually it it's like not a scissors, opener. you know, yeah. letter opener, <laughs> <laughs> maybe even like a circular saw or something, but like chainsaw is, and if you go about applying, you know, chainsaws to your, you know, this letter you got in the mail or to, you know, mm-hmm. cutting open cardboard or something like things get a little messy, but just because things get messy with catastrophizing doesn't mean that catastrophizing itself is like inherently bad. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a purpose there, like you were saying, right? There are situations where being able to think through to the worst case scenario is really helpful. You, mm-hmm. you wouldn't if I give you a pill and, and said, if you take this pill, you will you will literally be incapable of thinking about the worst case scenario. Would you take it? Yeah, no. probably not. Of yeah. course not, right? Because there are a very few, you know, times when you do need to go to the worst case scenario. And, and that's the that's the key. There's very few times you need you actually need to do that, and, and and learning to distinguish between the times you do and the times you don't, pretty important. Yeah. So learning learning to distinguish it. But I, then I think what what we want to get into is even if you do kind of recognize, hey, I'm like I'm using a chainsaw to open a letter here. You know, like I'm catastrophizing when the situation doesn't really warrant that. Um, what like. So what do you actually do if, if you're in that habit and maybe you recognize, okay, this is a little extreme, but it feels kind of compulsive. It feels habitual. Um, how would you think through, you know, helping someone who's, who's at that stage, who's ready to kind of like, all right, I get this. It's not helping me. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but like, how do I get out of this tendency of mine? Um, the, the first thing I think is, is you, if you want to change this habit or, or get better at this, uh, recognizing when you're doing it is the key, you know, to really kind of start picking up on. And I usually teach my clients how to recognize um, the emotions that are present usually with catastrophizing or um, how they feel in their body a little bit. Sometimes when people catastrophize, they'll tense their shoulders or grit their mm-hmm. teeth or, you know, um, and then look for those thoughts, those really familiar words and phrases that kind of can cue them into the fact that they might be catastrophizing when they're saying things like never and always and, um, and, and just getting, get, getting good at recognizing these kind of awful scenarios that they dream yeah. up and recognizing for what they are so that they can kind of, you know, cause you really can't change thoughts much unless you're aware of them. <laughs> I found so um, really teaching clients um, to recognize their, their catastrophizing is kind of the first step. Yeah. And I think that's, it's important too, because I mean, a lot of people know what, a, what catastrophizing is. They know that they tend to do it, but one of the magic pieces of catching and, and acknowledging that catastrophizing on those three lay- layers that you mentioned, which I think is really important, the mm-hmm. thoughts, right? Those are the actual worry, the story in your head, the emotion, mm-hmm. right? The anxiety or whatever you're feeling, sadness, 
Um, and then literally how you feel in your body, right? Like tense shoulders or you know, butterflies in your stomach, whatever it could be. Part of the, the secret sauce there, I think, is that it, it slows you down. When you mm-hmm. stop to actually recognize and label what you're experiencing, you break out of that habit loop of like worry, 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 right. and all, the, all the anxiety or distress that comes along with it. So that's a really huge piece of it is it's, you're literally, you're short circuiting that habit, that worry, that catastrophizing spiral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short circuit that, you just get fewer of those worry spirals, which means less anxiety, distress, whatever it is. So I think that's right. really important. Yeah. Recognizing it is key. I think I, I would also add like the next little step in there that I usually, and it goes back to your point about acknowledging that catastrophizing itself isn't necessarily bad. I think just validating for yourself. Okay. I recognize that I'm doing all this stuff and like, it's, it makes sense. Like I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> like The ability to catastrophize is a normal function. It's actually healthy right? It's just kind of misplaced in this. Uh, it, my brain's a little confused about mm-hmm. when it needs to use a chainsaw and when it doesn't, right? Yeah. So yeah. that validation, I think is really, it's like a, I think of it like a, it's like a pressure release valve emotionally. Mm-hmm. You just take a minute and say like, you know what? I don't want to be doing this anymore. I do want to get out of this, but it, it makes sense that my brain would go here. I've been doing this for years. Like it's not surprising yeah. that this, you know, program would kick up in my brain. Yeah. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I have a little exercise I usually start clients with and that, that exercise progresses too. But, um, in my office, I have a big whiteboard and I'll draw kind of a normal bell curve on mm-hmm. the whiteboard and kind of let my clients know, look, you're always making predictions on this end of the bell curve, these really gnarly, extreme kind of, uh, catastrophic predictions. Right. And they're just as likely as the other side of the bell curve where everything goes amazingly well. Right. Um, and actually what usually ends up happening in life is something in the middle. Right. right? And so to help them practice, once they start recognizing their, their catastrophizing, I'll have them generate a thought that's equally as ludicrous on the positive side of that bell curve. So if they say, you know, I'm going to go to this party, I'm going to say something stupid. Everybody's going to laugh and point at me and kick me out of the group. Okay. And then they recognize I'm catastrophizing. That's a catastrophic thought. Okay. What if I go to the party and everybody is so impressed with me that they sign over all their money and cars and everything. (laughs) And I I walk out of there with just, you know, tons of fans, you know, probably just unlikely as everybody (laughs) laughing and pointing at you and kicking you out of the group. And then what's, gonna happen is probably something in the middle so they generate a thought there which is i'll probably Mm. go talk to a few people some people won't talk to me then i'll leave yeah um but just to get in a habit of recognizing that catastrophics can be on your list of things that you think might happen Mm. but that's not the only thing on the list and you can generate other better predictions probably um so so it's it's just a um an exercise to, to kind of prep them for how to start distinguishing those um, catastrophic thoughts and generating better alternatives. I do a similar one. I call it the seven out of 10. So I say, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, catastrophizing is 10 out of 10 worst case scenario, right? It's the absolute worst thing that could happen. So what what Uh a little habit, a little counter habit that I encourage people to do is as soon as they recognize and validate their catastrophizing, ask themselves like, okay, what's the seven out of 10 version of this? If like, Mm. I'm going to get fired and end up, you know, homeless under a bridge, right? What's the seven out of 10 version of that? Well, like my supervisor calls me in 
gives me a really stern talking to maybe even puts me on probation, but like, I don't lose my job. Like I still keep my job, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And I think the point of this and even uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, of your exercise, it's not that you're trying to convince yourself that this super positive thing is more likely or that this seven out of 10 thing is the actual truth. It's not like you're trying to find the, it's more about flexibility. It's about not being rigid in the way you think about things. Right. So I'm not trying to sharpen. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to, it's not about the, the specific interpretation that you come up with a really positive one, a seven out of 10 one, mm-hmm. whatever, like that doesn't really matter. The specifics don't matter. It's the fact that you're not just going with the catastrophic interpretation and you're being flexible in generating some alternatives. Right. It really does. Uh, you know, having them imagine that, that ridiculously positive outcome too um definitely helps my clients kind of um realize that the cat the catastrophizing is is ludicrous as well right so when they dream up their scenario of like what happens on the other side it kind of loosens their grip on that catastrophic outcome prediction because they realize oh well this is equally as ridiculous as that um and then they're they're able to also kind of just get comfortable the fact that those things can be on the on the um bell curve Yep. My, my negative thoughts can be there. My positive thoughts can be there. Everything can be there. And what happens is who knows is usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's a great, and that's kind of my final piece. And again, it goes back to this idea of validating your catastrophizing as somewhat mm-hmm. normal, which is like, you, it's a, you can let your brain catastrophize and still do other things. You don't have to stop catastrophizing. <laughs> right. That's what a lot of people do. They start catastrophizing yeah. about catastrophizing. They notice their brain For catastrophizing. Three hours, yeah. And they're For like, oh shit, I'm hours. catastrophizing again. Like, oh my God, why am I always like What's this? wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When really mm-hmm. like catastrophizing, it's just your brain making a guess or a prediction. And, and so what you can tell your brain is like, well, that's okay. Like you can keep doing that. I'm going to come up with some other ones. And then independent of that, all that stuff you're doing brain, like I'm going to make a decision about how I want to proceed with things. One way. Yeah. And you're welcome to keep catastrophizing if you want, but I'm actually going to kind of get back to work or I'm going to go to the gym instead of sitting here worrying about so-and-so, whatever. Yeah. Um, so y- you can allow your catastrophizing thoughts to persist without getting caught up in them. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.